renewable energy system is undergoing a huge transition, with the costs of renewable energy becoming more competitive versus traditional sources, along with increased public awareness and pressure. Renewable energy is becoming the mainstream energy source for many, no longer an alternative just for the progressive few. Listen each week as Brant Handley and Christian Crown, founding partners of Renew Executive Search, interview renewable energy and sustainability experts that are not only making a difference to the environment, but are also growing successful businesses. Listen and learn about what attracted these experts to renewables, why they've stayed in the sector, and how they are helping renewable companies create a better tomorrow. We know you'll enjoy these stories as much as Brandt and Christian enjoyed recording them. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. We are looking forward to you joining us as we dive deeper on how renewables are going mainstream. Today's guest is Yanif Kalish. Yanif is the founder and CEO of SolarCal. Leading operation out of the company's New York City headquarters, he propels SolarCal's mission of accelerating the expansion of solar energy as the main source of the global power generation. After personally observing many prospective commercial solar energy clients face decision obstacles through the procurement process, Yannick believed procuring solar energy deserves a simpler and more transparent solution. Therein, Yannick founded SolarCal in 2015 creating the premier marketplace where SolarCal expert advisors could connect a trusted network of solar providers with organizations seeking to transition to solar. With over a decade of industry experience ranging from origination to financing to developing solar systems, Yanev offers a wide range of solar industry knowledge and is regarded as a thought leader in the space. He holds a Bachelor of Science degree in Mechanical Engineering from Tel Aviv University and an MBA from Columbia Business School. Welcome to the podcast. Very excited to be part of the podcast. It's wonderful to have you here. And we always kind of start things to, you know, just tell us a little bit about yourself and, you know, kind of your early career path that led you into the renewable sector. So I'm originally from from Israel uh, when I grew up and I started my career mostly on the engineering side. Mm. Uh, I was an hydraulic engineer um, and I designed a bunch of hydraulic systems for uh, large CSP plants, concentrated solar power plants. And that got me exposed to solar. I think the first time I walked into like a large scale solar power plant, that was a, a very transforming experience for the yeah. perspective of seeing how energy could have been generated from, from the sun and not from the, what I learned in school, which there's no, was nothing about PV back then in, in mechanical right. engineering school. Right. Uh, and it's been history since. It's been 10 years ago, and I've been That's going awesome. from the engineering perspective to the financial perspective and then uh, to what we do right now. Now, was that in Israel that you first walked into that plant and did your education there as well? Yeah. So I did my yeah. education when I walked into the plant. Right. Awesome. And is solar a pretty big part of the uh, energy uh, you know, structure in, in Israel today? I think now it's becoming more uh, visible and, and more common. Yeah. But uh, I think Israel is still a little bit behind other markets, just being a small market. Right. Right. Uh, I think still the uh, Europe, and U.S. and China are leading the way in terms of renewable energy. Right, right. So needless to say, walking into that plant was one of the first things that attracted you to the space, it sounds like. Yeah, you don't learn about <laughs> this thing in school. I mean, now you do. I think a lot of our... We didn't used to. Yeah. That yeah. used to. I want to say... So I also went to uh, Columbia Business School as part of my 
education. And when I was there, there was a very small group of us interested in renewables. Uh, and I think now we have a lot of interns and people coming in from the school and it became a very common thing. So we're very excited to see not only from just the technology adaptation, but also from the talent adaptation, uh, it becoming much more mainstream. Yeah, that's awesome. And what, what's kind of kept you in the sector? Is it because of, you know, a commitment to obviously making a better place and improving the environment, climate change and all that? Um, is it business opportunity, a combination of those? Tell us a little bit about your motivations. I think it's a combination. Uh, The main thing, again, from the business perspective, I think the energy sector is going through this massive transition from, uh, you know, burning coal to turn a turbine, which is a very inefficient way to generate energy that was invented more than 100 years ago into the... uh, into the renewables. I think renewables is not only cheaper and cleaner, uh, I see it as just the next wave of how energy will be uh, generated in, in the decades to come. Mm. Uh, so it's great to be part of this transition. Uh, if you think from a career perspective and you want to think long-term, I don't think energy is going anywhere. And it's great to be part of the you know the newcomer and the uh, better source of energy. Right, right. Absolutely. So you founded SolarCal. We, we talked about that in your bio. Tell us a little bit about the motivations behind that and, and, and what you do at SolarCal. So I worked uh, for a couple of solar developers, so kind of financing, originating uh, commercial solar projects. uh, And I noticed there is a lot of disinformation and frustration from the potential clients of solar. So Mm -hmm. solar could be a great benefit for corporations, businesses, very similar to homeowners that want to install solar panels uh, on site. But it's really hard to do so. So working in different companies, I would go in and I would come very enthusiastic about the opportunity of going solar. It could save you a lot of money. It's a very you know, hassle-free technology. And over and over, I saw how hard it is for the other side to make a decision because there were three or four companies coming in telling different stories, different equipment, how you compare apples to apples. Most of those people were first-time buyers, in Mm. most cases, only-time buyers of this technology. And it's a big decision. It could be a half a million dollars, a million-dollar decision. Uh, So more likely than not, they just felt uncomfortable moving forward. Uh, And that bubbled in me that I want to help them. So if you work for a company uh, and you want to sell them on a solution, um, it's really hard. So it's kind of started. I started to reach out to a couple of customers, offer to be their their owners rep, and try to help them mm. um, run the procurement process on their behalf, and serve as a procurement advisor. And one thing led to another. We have a software for uh, running procurement and 130 companies in our marketplace. And the goal for us is to make Amazing. solar energy accessible for in the U.S. for all the co- on the companies in the U.S. Um, and I think that's what keeps me motivated about the industry right now. That's awesome. Yeah. So what, what was the real need if you, if you, yeah, if you had to say back at the time when you were, you know, in the process of saying, Hey, I've worked for others now. I want to go on your own. What what did you identify as being the most important thing, um, that, you know, you really needed to solve? Um, so still in, uh, B2B solar, one of the biggest, obstacles is what they call the soft cost. The soft cost right. is anything which is not related to the equipment uh, or permitting, just like everything which is around sales and marketing, origination, um, which shouldn't be very high. 
because yeah. it should be it's a commodity it's, it's an infrastructure it's it's a product you buy very similar to an hvac unit uh there's no reason that when you pay a dollar for a solar system half of it is being wasted on what they call soft cost right right so this is this is the first solution that i felt and i really wanted to to solve it uh and i felt there was no company i can join that try to tackle that issue um so i guess maybe that's the entrepreneurial side of me uh, so okay, I, I could do it myself. I try to solve it, and I and I see for us right now the cost. We're really cutting the soft cost. We got a bunch mm. of grants and awards based on the idea that we are saving twenty, thirty percent on system cost, and that's really what keeps me again keeps me going in terms of the motivation to uh, uh, making this all more accessible. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so it's mostly a cost advantage then in terms of what you're seeing today or what your clients are saying to you today versus what their options were in the past? It's a combination. What mm-hmm. got me started being a very analytical, business-driven kind of in the, in person is that the numbers. If I save 20 or 30%, uh, that should be it. Mm-hmm. But it goes mm-hmm. back to, um, you know, the unknown. People are very concerned about the unknown. If you are business owners, you know, solar is not the main thing that right. you are, you know, you're thinking about when you wake up in the morning. So if it's complicated, you're just not going to do it. So right. our goal is to make them feel more comfortable with the with the solution. So if yeah. you get, you know, a procurement software and you get like five, six bids, apples to apples, and you have a trusted advisor on your side, very similar to real estate or healthcare yeah. or insurance, you wouldn't talk to five different carriers of, of insurance because it's really hard to understand. So this is kind of the idea that uh, what we're trying to bring. So it's on top of the savings is the peace of mind that you know you're getting the right equipment, you're not wasting as much time, and you feel much more comfortable moving forward. Is that what your clients play back to you, Anif, you know, in terms of what they value most of the value add, so to speak? Every client is different. Some yeah. are very similar. You know, like I, I saved, you know. Thirty percent. So most of our customers, you know, solar is not foreign to a lot of businesses. I think a lot of the doors have been knocked already. Right. Uh, so uh, potential customers we talk with, they will have a few proposals laying on the desk from the past five, six years that someone, right, right. you know, a friend of a friend told them, and <laughs> you know. Um, so for them, you know, we're doing a process and having a competitive marketplace approach, and they see that the final result is 30, 40% cheaper, uh, that gets them excited. Uh, But I think a lot of them just the, having the counterpart that they can trust and handhold them throughout the entire process, uh, I think that's what they really value as well. Huge value. Yeah. Yeah. They, it's like any other kind of professional service, right? You know, they want someone that can walk them through it, deliver on the deliverables that they promise, but, um, you know, it's a very difficult thing for them to do themselves. Correct. And especially as so many of them only, as you said, only do it once. Um, but one of the interesting things you also talked about sort of uh, <clears throat> when we spoke earlier, Jan, it was that it might be trending towards mainstream with renewables, uh, but we're not quite there yet. Sort of, Could you provide some case studies on how you help those companies reducing the soft costs and sort of guide them through the process? So, yeah, I think it's not mainstream yet for, for a few reasons, which we can talk about, from, but specifically for... For case studies, um, a couple that I can think of, one, and it's got two different type of clients that uh, I think shows the uh, um, you know the advantage of having a procurement advisor. Uh, one is a large um, 
you know, Ivy League university that we work with as part mm. of our customers, and they have, you know, they have their own sustainability team. Unlike most of our customers, first-time buyers, they are it was their fifth or sixth project they're doing for solar. They have a sustainability team, understand solar, you know, in a really great way. Uh, they're not, you know, the education piece was very short with them. They just got intrigued by the fact that we have a marketplace which is so big, and have a procurement platform and process that they didn't do before. Um, so even though they worked with the same contractor uh, for many years, uh, now they wanted to, to, to work with us and see how we can help them with our process. And through our process, again, compared to uh, the beta they had from the existing contractor, we ended up being about 60% cheaper. And wow. we ended up finding a contractor which was much more experienced working with universities in their town, which for us is a big advantage because if you've done a project there before, you have a highly likelihood of being cheaper and better with doing the project across the street. That's very exciting. And again, quite substantial uh, savings. Is that something you find generally with your clients when they achieve uh, significant savings like that? So we see on average that we save about 30% across the board. And that's a huge number. And for wow. us, it's very easy to measure just because a lot of our customers have, again, have bids before they retain us. So it's really, it's not like a theoretical number we are comparing against. It's, hey, if you haven't used us, you would use this proposal. But now that mm. you used yeah. us, you have a better design with a better contractor at a cheaper price. And again, it goes back to our economy of scale and the idea that we, you know, we know how to do the right matching between the local and qualified contractors to the right project versus um, you know, the wild, wild west when a company in Massachusetts knocks hmm. on a door and someone in Jersey yeah. and they have to inflate the price to compensate for you know, different things. So um, I think that's there's a few reasons why that works, but we do see very significant uh, price ranges. Another reason is, I think, again, the industry, just because it's, it's newer and there's not too much benchmark pricing, if you're going into a solar procurement process, you don't know how much it's supposed to cost. You have no, you know, if you're going into a real estate deal, you say, okay, I, I have some comps from, from the neighborhood. In solar, you have no clue. So you, mm. you might even pay 40, mm-hmm. 50, yeah. or 100% premium. And now with the solar incentives are so high, the economics for solar are so lucrative that even if you pay a 60% premium, you're still getting a pretty good deal. Right. Right, exactly. Interesting. You mentioned before some of the obstacles that were sort of keeping renewables from being mainstream. Could, could you elaborate on some of the ones you're seeing there? I think the educational piece is a huge one. There's a lot of misconceptions about renewables. Uh, whether it's you know heavily subsidized, will it sustain without subsidies? Um, there's still kind of new and untested. Um, you know, I think we are replacing a very well-established incumbent in terms of the technology mm. uh, and in terms of their financial capabilities. And uh, you know, without being too too much with conspiracies, obviously they have a lot of. Uh, uh, weight in 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 the media and a lot of weight in in Washington. Um, so from a regulatory perspective, while people will say that solar has a lot of subsidies, um, it has a lot of taxes and tariffs. So mm. panels have a lot of tariffs in the U.S. Oil and gas uh, are getting much more subsidies than solar, but you don't hear about it as much because it's indirect subsidies. So is nuclear. Uh, so I think all these misconceptions and having really 
big forces trying to slow down solar behind the scenes through media, through Washington's regulation. Mm. I think it's a huge obstacle for the industry. Uh, and then it goes back to the education piece when you meet with prospective clients. I mean, now there is a new program in New Jersey, for example, that literally allows uh, businesses to get free electricity hmm. because solar financiers can get all of their money back through the different subsidies. It's, it's so lucrative. It's just, uh, you know, it's going to be a very short period of time. So we're hmm. working with some of our clients. Look, how about you getting free electricity? And like, hmm. no commitment. And it's still, people are pushing back. And I, once I see that, I realize there's still, there's still room to there's grow. There's still a way to go. Yeah, there's still a way to go in terms of um, you know, they just, like how comfortable people feel with this technology. How have you seen that evolve? You've obviously been in the industry for, for coming up to, what, 10 years now? Is it moving in the right direction? or Definitely moving to the right direction. Um, if I talk to people about six years ago about, hey, how about you install solar panels? They were like, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, like, what is it? I think now it's like, why are you better than the other? And, you know, mm. I, I have a neighbor who did it. Mm. Like, people feel slightly more comfortable about it, which I think why our, our solution is, is fortunately coming in the right time in terms of, hey, you're already exploring solar. Uh, you need like a procurement software to help you run the procurement process. But what do you think so needs to happen in order to drive that education more? Obviously, sort of you mentioned New Jersey is coming up with regulation, but I guess it needs a further sort of educational push. I still, I still think it's time. Um, it's it, it's an infrastructure uh, solution, so it's not like a tech when you have a, a you know um, a network effect or you have you know you build a software and you can have a global adaptation within a couple of years. It's still every mm. project takes a while to build. Um, and then kind of the word of mouth, you know, it, it's not as quick as uh, some other solutions, uh, but I definitely see uh, us heading in the right direction. Do When you meet with clients, do you think, uh, do you hear that sustainability is part of it or is it driven by the finances? So what really sort of drives them? A big portion of the decision is still the finances. Uh, As much as people are, it also depends on the company type and size. If you're looking at the Fortune 50 companies, I think it's definitely now the decade of, of, of sustainability. We see more and more, I think 86% of the Fortune 50 companies have a, like a, signed the RE100 mm. where they want to get to 100% renewables. So definitely um, in, the, in the big corporations, uh, at least outwards, is very much around the sustainability aspect of it. I think for the uh, kind of below that, kind of the mid-sized company, the SMBs, uh, it's still very much driven by the economics. Still, there is a little bit of emotional portion to it in which living a better world for our kids. Uh, but I think if the numbers don't pencil, yeah, I've never seen a project built where the numbers didn't pencil just right. because they wanted to do it for, for the right reasons. Right. Right. It's an added on, it, but it's really driven by economics. Yeah. And if you know at uh, Renew Executive Search, we work with clients and, and candidates globally. 
you know, we're seeking to get into uh, the, the the business of, of renewables, you know, top talent, obviously matching them to to their clients. And and so many of the folks that are listening to the podcast are, are you know, auditing it, right? Because they're considering a career change or they're looking at renewables as a, as a means by which to maybe shift their career. Uh, we've seen a lot of folks that have come out of old oil and energy, as well as in utilities that we've been able to kind of recycle and, and redirect. But, you know, from your professional opinion, and you've, you've obviously been the in the in the industry for about 10 years now and and you started an engineering basis what kind of qualifications do you think are needed to succeed is is an engineering career for example or an engineering technical background important to be successful or or are business skills important tell us a little bit about that what are your thoughts there i compare where um, renewables or solar is right now is where the internet was in the mid 90s mm. it's still early on Very in terms interesting. of yeah. yeah, it's still like technology-driven. So yeah. most of the people I still see them with, like they need some kind of a technical background, whether you're an upstream or downstream, whether it's sales or in manufacturing or uh, installations, it's still somewhat of a kind of the early days technology. Uh, there's now I started to see them more like financial roles as well. Right. Uh, I still want to say that the majority is like, like any early stage technology is still half R&D, half deployment. Uh, so you need to be uh, ready for that. Mm. Uh, I think you also have to be patient because, mm. again, people that were in the mid... There were no internet billionaires uh, in the mid-90s. <laughs> in the 90s, yeah. <laughs> but there are a lot of them now. There's still no... I just read about it. There's still no uh, kind of solar energy billionaires yet. But they're coming, right? But they're coming. <laughs> and I think just like the, the internet in the mid-90s, everyone who is in the industry knows it will happen yeah. because I, I know everything is going to be solar within the next few decades. It's just going to take right. some time right. uh, because it's if within 10 years, solar became cheaper than most energy sources, they have a 150 years head start on us. That's right. Um, yeah. I'm pretty yeah. excited about where this industry is going. Yeah. Well, and that's happened in a lot of markets. I know Portugal, for one, has been able to prove that, several others as well. Well, that analogy is really interesting. So do you, do you think just taking that to the next step, there's going to be some booms and busts as well? You know, will there be, you know, probably some explosion and then some consolidation and rebuilding again? Do you, do you kind of follow, you know, kind of following the 90s through the 2000s to the, you know, 2010s? Certainly the internet's gone through a lot of transformations. hundred percent. I yeah, definitely, yeah. I, and I see it happening uh, already in terms of, specific markets right so you see right. some markets go boom and bust i think if you're smart enough you diversify yourself between a few markets that's kind of a way to mitigate that but uh I definitely see um uh, like per like locally boom and bust i can't see like a global right boom and bust because there's so many different markets and right. the technology right. is superior uh but yeah yeah Exciting. So those of you listening out there, <laughs> Mark Yanif's words, this is the time to get involved. Um, you know, you've been in their industry long enough where you've seen people fail as well. What, what are typically the reasons why folks uh, don't succeed in the sector? Again, I think it still requires a lot of patience. And mm. I think just because again, being, uh, so some people, you know, coming in from a mature industry that used to, uh, whether from the adaptation and like people are all used to it, if you're coming from IT or semiconductors, you know, all the infrastructure is already set from the different supply chain. Right. I think solar is still somewhat in this uh, entrepreneurial phase, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is exciting for people that have that mentality. But to people who are coming in from kind of like large corporations and just waiting to move to like another large corporation, 
uh, installer, I think that's somewhat of, I think it could be challenging. Beyond patience and, of course, you know, as we talked earlier, the attraction to doing good for the environment, you know, what, what more does it take to be successful in, in renewables or, or specifically solar? That's a good question. And if you know, you can tell me as well. Yeah, we've been, again, fortunate, I think, just to be kind of in the right time in the right market. Yeah, a little bit of luck helps, right? Yeah, a little bit of hot luck yeah. definitely helps. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, again, kind of having the technological background to understand, mm. you know, kind of the the kilowatts and how things work. And again, for us, we're mostly downstream. So we are, you know, we're not manufacturing anything and we're not in the uh, in the upstream side of the business, right. which I'm right. assuming it's a whole different game. But uh, I think whether you're an investor, yeah, you need to have like a longer horizon, uh, whether you're going into uh, installation, just make sure you're ready to uh, kind of spend some time on roofs and, um, you know, be excited about building yeah. the energy sector of the U.S. for the next right. few decades, Right. you know. Do you think you'll ever go back to Israel or have you become an American citizen committed to the opportunities here? <laughs> so both my daughters are here and my wife is American. So your roots are planted. <laughs> I'm going to be here for a while. That's awesome. Well, give us a, just a, a little bit of more of a background in terms of SolarCal and what you do. And, you know, as you've explained it to us in our previous calls, it, it's kind of a consultative arrangement, right? You're, you're, you don't necessarily take title to the products, um, really kind of a, a coordinator and integrator. Give us a little bit of a thumbnail sketch of, of SolarCal and its operations. So SolarCal, we are uh, a procurement advisory mm -hmm. and we see ourselves as the largest B2B uh, solar energy marketplace. So we're not, as you said, we're not installing panels and we're not contractors. Right. What we do uh, for our clients, the people who want to procure solar, we serve as kind of tech-enabled uh, consultants. Right. So they get a consultant that supports them throughout the process with the technology behind it of a procurement software uh, that has 130 different solar contractors nationwide uh, they compete on their um, on their projects right. because again, going back to being a first time or an only time buyer of solar, you're not necessarily going to get access to the best and That's largest right. contractors, yeah. the one who actually built the Walmart, the Costco, the Targets, and all those big projects. But again, using um, us with our economy of scale and our expertise, and you know, because we make the process much smoother, uh, we see the bigger companies going coming to us because we reduce their soft costs as well, creating basically a win-win for everyone. Right, right. So you're developing those really far-reaching relationships that any one commercial building owner or a industrial factory or uh, you do residential as well or you pretty much stick to CNI? No, we don't do residential. Yeah, I think residential yeah. is uh, more like a B2C product. Different so market, it, yeah, it, yeah. Yeah, it works a little bit differently. So you're able to bring those broad relationships to them, which they can never go and get out on their own. Exactly. And, yeah, I, and I think yeah. the residential market is also a great market. And there are companies like us doing mm -hmm. things on the residential side. They're doing some great work. Again, like we think about the Fortune 50 companies that have the in-house resources um, because they do projects year over year. So they're going to have right. a, a two or three person team that all they do is solar procurement. So basically we serve as that team at the fraction of the price. Even the person yeah. who used to lead uh, solar procurement for Walmart for 15 years. Uh, when she joined us, she's like, "Oh, you guys do procurement like so much better." I'm like, "Of course, because you know <laughs> we, we don't have the Walmart brand behind us, right? And we do it for a larger kind of type of clients. And I, and I think for them, and and I quote most of our customers, it's a no-brainer. Why not have 
Right. Kind of the Walmart team at your disposal at a fraction of the price. Yeah. Uh, kind of, you know, with, with the technology behind it. Plus, you guys are scrappy, <laughs> right? <laughs> You're helping them save costs, which they've got to love. Well, Yaniv Kalish, uh, founder and CEO of SolarCal, thank you so much for your time today. Uh, we always ask one last question of all our guests. And, you know, what, what words of advice or counsel can you give those that are listening today uh, that perhaps are either in the renewables career looking to grow it or perhaps are on the outside and looking in for the first time? I think it's a very exciting industry, whether you're thinking about it from environmental perspective, whether you're excited about the mission, uh, or whether you're a business person who's thinking about what's the right career choice. Uh, I'm very excited about the industry and what's uh, in its future. Um, and I hope uh, more and more talented people will join it because that's the way to, to make it bigger and stronger. Uh, and the way I see it, there's, there's, we're not going anywhere. Solar is going to be here for, for a very long term, um, and it's a very exciting time for the industry. And I think we, as much as the industry is now, I want to say about $20 billion uh, in the U.S., I think we're going to laugh at the days when it's $20 billion and not $400 billion. <laughs> so we st we're still, you're still joining at the right time. We love your vision. Thank you again so much for your time today. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you for listening to Renewables Going Mainstream with Brand Hanley and Christian Crown, partners at Renew Executive Search. We hope you enjoyed hearing our renewable industry experts' stories as much as we enjoyed recording them. If you want to learn more about this fast-growing sector and learn how you can become more involved, please subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends and colleagues. For more information about Brand, Christian, Renewable Executive Search and the booming renewables industry, visit www.goforrenew.com. That's www.go4renew.com. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode of Renewables Going Mainstream.